all, are you continuing in your Thanksgiving or have you given it up for another year? I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I know I'm still giving thanks, and it may strike you in an odd sort of way this morning, but I pulled out my phone and looked through the news feed that I get every morning, and I'm so thankful there's not one single article that showed up regarding the election. I mean, how long has it been? You know, I don't even remember the last time I opened up my phone and went through the news feed and nothing about the election. Now, don't get me wrong. I am thankful for the elections. I really am. I'm thankful for the fact that we live in a country just like you, I'm sure. When you get, get away from or take a step back from all the yuck of the elections, we're thankful that we live in a country where we still have an opportunity to influence who's government, who governs us. Because there are a lot of people around the world that don't. And again, that may be a little too distant for us this morning to think about, but it doesn't take a lot of effort to read about, if nothing else. Read about the people who have no voice, who have no say in the way they're governed, to remind us that even with the things they are, that are the way they are, we're blessed people to have elections. And so I give thanks for that this morning. At the same time, acknowledging and wishing that I wish things were different. I wish things were different in our elections. I wish that we had an opportunity to vote for leaders who were more interested in serving the country and a little less interested in themselves. And that may sound like a harsh critique this morning, but it's what I talk about. It's what I focus on in the elections, and it has been for a number of years now, because I feel like it's something we have lost significantly in our country. We've lost a focus on the other. And we're seeing that in, played out in more and more ways. We're seeing that not only in the elections where, I mean, truthfully, how many of us talk about the fact that we wish we had leaders who were focused on leading and not just getting reelected. And so that I don't beat up just on our leaders, how many other ways are we seeing right now and all the tensions and all the struggles and all the stresses that so many of us have been just our attentions captivated with ourselves. And there's an opportunity and a need and, in fact, a calling on those of us who, who are, are followers of Jesus to be much more focused on the needs of others than on ourselves. So this morning, as we, as we begin to move on from Thanksgiving, I want us to, to let it linger just for, for a little longer. And we're going to, to hear a little bit about that even in our scripture passage, scripture passage this morning. This idea of being thankful even when you're aware of the problems that need to be addressed. We're taking a break from our study in Acts. We've been working on Acts for a, a number of weeks now, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians this morning, so I invite you to take out your, your Bible, whether you have it in, like I have in print in front of you or you access it on one of your devices. Look at 1 Corinthians, the New Testament just after Romans, and in particular, we're going to start in the very first chapter, with verse 3. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the church in Corinth. This was a church that he had founded. This was a, a church in a highly important place. Corinth was the capital of the area at that time, and there was a lot going on in Corinth. It was important to have 
an outpost, a mission, if you will, a place for God's people to come together and not only worship Him, but to witness to those around them who God is. And Paul starts Corinthians like he does many of his other letters. In fact, most of his letters where he identifies himself and greets them. And Paul has a, a he's kind of developed a way of, of greeting where it's almost like a formula, uh, just kind of a catchphrase where they would know instantly, oh yeah, that's Paul. And in verse 3, that, that formula or that way of greeting people, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now even as I read that to you, I need to step back just for a minute and say, change, here's a change in my reading going forward in this next year. For the past year, I've been reading every Sunday out of the New Living Translation. And beginning today, I'm going to start reading out of the NIV. So just so that you'll know, going forward, the language will be a little bit different that you hear, the, the writing and the wording of the NIV. Again, Paul says, grace and peace to you. And, and his, his greeting of grace is kind of like saying greetings to you, but he's acknowledging the importance of God in his life and in their lives. And so he greets them by saying grace, the grace of God to you. The grace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and His peace to you. Then he goes on to say, I always thank my God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. I always thank my God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. So, so Paul is in a, in a place of thanksgiving. Paul is writing to this church and he's thanking them. He's thanking them and he's reminding them that he thanks God for them in his prayers. Continuing on, it says, For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our God is faithful. Our God who has called us into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, if you were following along with me, or maybe you just picked it up in my reading of it, there's a recurring theme in these verses. Verses 3 through 9. And as a matter of fact, if you went back and, and read the first two verses, you'd hear that theme again and again all the way through this passage. In verses 1 through 9, nine verses, Jesus is mentioned eight times. It is a highlight of what Paul is focusing on and calling us to focus on. If you know much about the Apostle Paul, you can't miss the fact that Jesus is front and center in his life. Not just in his focus, but in his living. In all that he does. All that he says. All that he teaches. All that he calls his hearers, his listeners, his students to focus on and live for. Now he's giving thanks 
But if you were to read on beyond this, if you were not to stop and continue reading, or maybe you know from your own study of, of 1 Corinthians in the past, Paul has uh, a little different tone that he takes on. Paul has some, some things he needs to address in the church in Corinth. And in particular, he's going to call them out on some of the practices that they have, some of the ways in which they're living. And so it's interesting that he would start off with this, this Thanksgiving. In fact, sometimes when you read this, some people say that, that maybe Paul's actually sarcastic in this. Maybe he's thanking them for these particular things, which he's going to expound on later. Maybe he's actually just using a little sarcasm in hopes of getting their attention. But as I read it, and a number of, of scholars that I read as I study 1 Corinthians have said, there's reason to think that Paul maybe is not being sarcastic. There's reason to think that, that Paul is in fact going to challenge them on what they need to correct. Challenge them and call them to a different way. But he's still thankful for them. And in particular, he's thankful for Jesus' presence for God's gift of grace through Jesus. I want to speak a little bit about that this morning because, again, I, I go back to this idea of the, the elections. It's been on my mind and it occurred to me as I was reading this that it's a little bit the way I look at our country right now. A little bit of, about the way maybe we all look at our elections, the election process. There's a lot we wish was different. There are a lot of things that we would ask if we had the opportunity we would challenge them to do differently. And yet we're still thankful for the process. We're still thankful for the fact that we have the opportunity to have a say, even though sometimes we feel like that say is diminished. Paul is thanking God for this church. He's thanking God for the grace that is given through Jesus Christ. He's thankful for all the ways in which God has reached out to us, confirming in us the gifts that He's given. And yet we know that even as we celebrate looking back on what God had done by bringing Jesus and all that Jesus did in His life and His death and resurrection, that's not the end of the story. And that brings us to this particular time. Now, I don't know how much you think of today in terms of a significant day. But for those of us who are Christians, and in some traditions, it is an important day. It's actually the beginning of the Christian year. I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know how much you know of the study of the Christian year. We do, we celebrate that in some traditions. In some traditions, we don't talk about it as much. But today's the beginning of Advent. And for those of you that don't know Advent, is a season leading up to Christmas. It ends right before Christmas Eve. And the purpose of Advent and celebrating Advent is that we are looking back and celebrating what God's already done in Jesus in His first coming, and yet we're eagerly awaiting His return. We're looking forward to Jesus coming back, this time in a different role than the one He came in the first place, came with in the first place. Paul speaks of that a little bit here, particularly in verse 7. He says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I wonder this morning how much we eagerly await. I wonder how much 
you and I have in our minds and in our focus the fact that Jesus is coming back. And I wonder if in the midst of all the yuck that we're dealing with and have been dealing with for months now, I wonder if we haven't allowed the, the thought to creep in, maybe not even in the front of our mind, in the back of our minds, that Jesus' returning is long ways off in the future. I mean, you may hear what I do. You hear from time to time prophecies about Jesus is coming back soon. And it's fairly common as we age. You hear older people say when they're looking around and assessing all the problems that are going on, you think Jesus is coming soon? You think this is a sign of the end times? You think all these things that are happening in the world letting us know that it's about time. And because we've heard that over and over and because so far every one of those has proven to be false, he hasn't come back yet, I think sometimes it's easy for us to just kind of dismiss it. I don't know when he's coming back. It's probably somewhere off in the distance. Do you find yourself thinking that? Do you find yourself thinking at all about when Jesus is going to come back? It's very easy to get caught up in the moment. It's very easy to get caught up in our struggles. It's very easy to get caught up in, well, I can pray to God and I can ask for His help, but we're a long way away from Jesus actually coming back and establishing in full His kingdom. In fact, I would suggest to you that one of the challenges for the church, at least in America today, I don't know about in other countries, but at least in our country, I think this idea of Jesus coming back is in fact so far off that the idea of His kingdom being established on earth is not something we regularly think about. And yet, we celebrate Christmas. Jesus is coming. We celebrate His life on earth and what He talked about, which was most of the time the kingdom of God. We talk about the fact that He's already started His kingdom, the kingdom of God here on earth. And that when Jesus died and then God raised Him from the dead, He in fact began the new creation. This kingdom actually already began. And many of us acknowledge that. And yet, once he ascended into heaven, well, I guess he's just there for some time. And heaven for us only happens after we die, right? When we die, we go to heaven. But the idea of Jesus coming back and, and finally and fully bringing about his kingdom, where the whole world becomes His kingdom. Everyone bows before Him. Everyone acknowledges that He is truly King and Lord. I wonder how much that's really in our minds and our thoughts. And I bring it up today, and I turn to this passage in 1 Corinthians because it's a great time to start that. If in fact, we're going to think in terms of the kingdom of God coming, and you and I being citizens, not just of this country, for those of us who are, but citizens of the kingdom of God. 
And in fact, that that kingdom for us should take priority. The requirements of that kingdom should take priority over everything else, including our responsibilities as citizens of this country. That even as we have been focusing now for months or longer on the election and who's going to govern us and what kind of government it was going to look like depending on which leader was elected, how many of us have also been thinking about the kingdom of God coming to earth and us as citizens and what that government will look like and how that affects our thinking and our decision making and our actions and our activities and so on. As we go on and study or just read through 1 Corinthians, in this letter to the church, you'd find a lot of what's going on in our society today. You'd find a lot of immorality. You'd, you'd find a far too great of an emphasis on sex. You'd find that people that are living in the midst of a culture that no longer celebrates God, that's here, but back then didn't acknowledge Him because they worshipped all kinds of other gods. Materials, consumption, politics, ideas and thoughts, lots of things the Corinthians allowed themselves to be caught up in and focus on. And whether they actually thought of worshiping those things or not, that's in fact what they did. And I encourage you or challenge you, depending on where you are today, to look at our society and ask the question, aren't we in the same boat? Aren't we caught up in a whole lot of other pursuits before we are caught up in our place and responsibility in a very real kingdom with a very real king and unlike every official we might elect this government and this government leader is good entirely good and he is working for our benefit It's an awesome privilege. It's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome, as in awe-inspiring, responsibility. And yet I wonder how many of us think about it. How many of us actually focus on the fact that we are today, right here and right now, citizens of a very real kingdom and even though we may not see that king like you and I can see each other, that kingdom has already begun and that kingdom will come and that kingdom will last and everything else will pass away. As we begin to focus our, our minds and our actions and our activities and decisions on a few weeks from now, and a big event that will captivate so many of us, whether we worship God or not. This, this event called Christmas has an earth-shattering, life-transforming message 
But only if we begin to prepare. Only if we begin to focus on this reality. The Corinthians had in their earthly leader, Paul, who had set up and called them forward by the power of the Spirit to be a part of that kingdom. And Paul's talking to them, telling them that he gives thanks for them. He gives thanks for them and he gives thanks for what God is doing and has been doing and will do in their lives. And I want to tell you this morning that that God has not just done great things for you in the past, although He has, and we celebrate His Son, and we celebrate the life that is possible in the future. But He's also working in our lives now. He's working in our day-to-day -day activities. He's calling us to be a part of His work. He's calling us to focus more on what He's doing, to pay attention to it, to be aware of it, and to recognize that everything that we have, all the gifts that we have, and I don't mean packages, I mean talents and skills and the things that help us do what we do, these things come from God. Do we celebrate that? And do we look for what their purpose is? Do you, in recognizing what you have that is good, what you have to offer others, what you have to earn an income with, what you have to influence the lives of those who come behind you, everything good in your life that you have to contribute to your own life and everybody else's comes from God. And it's all for a particular purpose. The building up of his kingdom which is to be a blessing for others so I wonder again as we were thanking God and as we're preparing to celebrate his birth as we were giving thanks for whatever it is you're thankful for and that I'm thankful for are we thanking him that he's begun a kingdom He's invited us to be citizens in and He's called us to work with the Spirit He's given us informed by the Word of God to make real changes around us. Are we, you and I, consciously thinking about the fact that He is setting up the kingdom now through us by the power of His Spirit? You and I not only have the opportunity, but in fact are called to be a part of that work. What does that look like? We celebrate when we sang in the set this morning, we celebrated the fact that God calls us to come as we are. That He invites us to come. We don't have to have it all answered and cleaned up. He invites us to come just as we are. And we celebrated that grace. And we talked about how much He loves us. And we celebrate that. Where does all that lead? 
all of His love poured out for us isn't for us to stay the way we are. He loves us as we are, but He doesn't want us to stay there any more than any parent or grandparent or maybe even aunts and uncles for that matter, but certainly for parents any more than you want your kid as much as you love your child, as much as you love them as they are and you want them to know you don't just love them for their performance, you love them for who they are. You don't want them to stay there. You want them to improve. You want them to become more of who they can be and are called to be. You want them to understand more and more of how much God loves them and pours into them. That same calling is from God to us. That same calling is coming from the one who has the power and the ability to not just raise Jesus from the dead, but to enable you and I, enable you and I to live out the values and principles of this kingdom and to make it a reality in the world around us. Talking about an earth-shattering election, we elect this Jesus because we have the choice. We elect this Jesus to be our Lord. We elect this Jesus to be our Savior. We elect this Jesus to be our leader. We elect this Jesus to be the one who provides for us and points us in the way we should go. And then we forget about Him. And then we get caught up in all the stuff of this world with a bunch of leaders who can never lead us where He can. So just like Paul is saying, I thank God. I thank God for what He's done. I thank God for the evidence of of His grace in your life and my life. He also challenges them not to stay there. He also challenges them to reach more for the grace that God has for them. As they eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed, to come back and be revealed to everybody. Let me tell you out of personal experience. If you'll take up this challenge, if you'll take up the challenge to begin today thinking about, maybe make a note in your calendar, maybe make a note wherever you look on a regular basis, to begin thinking about we are citizens of a kingdom that is already begun and the God of all is already at work bringing about that kingdom. And He not only has given us the invitation and called us to be about that, He's given us His Spirit to enable us to do it. Do we long for that? Do we look for that? Do we lean into that? That's what the calling is for us. That's what I hope this next year is going to be like for us as a people. 
are looking for His return. A looking as in preparing for Him to come back. Getting ready so that when He comes back, we will have already been busy doing what we hope to see happen. We will have already been at work doing what He's called us to do. And He will say, well done. Good and faithful servants. And He'll make it happen in full. This is the leader we celebrate. This is our king. This is our primary belonging. What an incredible, what an incredible gift. What an incredible opportunity. I hope this will become something more on the forefront of our minds in the weeks and months to come. He loves us. He loves us in so many more ways than we have maybe taken advantage of. Dear Heavenly Father, we do celebrate. We celebrate the gift